Would you turn please uh, this morning to the book of Peter? We began last week on a new series talking about the offerings of the Lord. And I believe it is the direction of the Lord. I'm excited about it. Did you sense some quickening last Sunday? I tell you, I did. I believe we're on the right track. So let's release our faith for this morning and go further and look at 1 Peter, the second chapter. 1 Peter, the second chapter, and the uh, fifth verse. Well, let me back up to the fourth verse. It says, To whom coming as to a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, you also as lively stones, or living stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We are made alive in Christ. We're not a bunch of dead rocks. We're living. Living stones. Cemented, sealed in place in the building of God, the house of God. His house is a living house. Amen. And we're not just here to hold the wall up. But we have numerous services and occupations in this house and he mentions one of the main ones we are also a holy priesthood we have to go back to the law to see what the priesthood was and what it was instructed to be and designed to do and how many understand a big part of the priesthood was what offerings right i mean that took up a huge amount of their time and their energies was the offerings of the Lord. And there are chapters after chapters, virtual books on how they were to bring the offerings. Well, this is a big part of the Bible. Is it important? Well, we know that this is a type of us. They were the priesthood under the law, under the Levitical order. But what's that a type of? It's type of us. We've been made a holy priesthood. What do we do? Keep reading. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual, not just natural, but spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Do we have a ministry of bringing offerings to the Lord? Spiritual sacrifices and offerings that are acceptable and pleasing to Him. God is a spirit. Anything that's just done in the flesh or that's done without faith is not going to please Him. It's not going to be acceptable to Him. Under the old covenant, you could just do what He told you to do and you were, it was, righteousness was imputed to you. You know, your sins were covered for another year. But under this new covenant, Just going through the motions doesn't cut it. Right? It's got to be from the heart. And it's got to be in faith. It's got to be spiritual. 
Spiritual. How many understand you could pray and just go through the motions? It could just be a fleshy prayer. But you could pray a spiritual prayer. You could sing, supposed to be praising the Lord, and it could just be flesh. Your mind could be thinking about fried chicken. Right? And you're singing, oh, how sweet it is to trust in Jesus, and oh, how sweet the chicken is, too. And it would be really interesting, and I'm glad it's not that way, but if everybody's forehead was a TV screen, and you could see what was actually on their mind, it'd be a terrible distraction. I'm glad it's not that way. But no, it could be fleshy, but it could also be spiritual. Our singing, our praising, our playing could be fleshly or spiritual. Well, what about our offerings when we bring our offerings? Same thing. You could just throw a check in or some cash in the plate and it'd just be fleshly and natural and not pleasing to the Lord. Or you could put your heart in it and you could put your faith in it, right? And it'd be spiritual. We are called a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices and offerings to the Lord, offerings that are acceptable and pleasing to Him. Can you say amen? Amen. So that's what we're on in these days, and the Lord's helping us, and we're after it. How many believe you can come up to a higher level of pleasing the Lord in these things? In 1 Corinthians 16, you don't have to turn there, but let me just read it to you. 1 Corinthians 16, 29, the New Living says, Give to the Lord the glory He deserves. Bring your offering and come to worship Him. Everybody said out loud, bring your offering. And come to worship him. See he said give him the glory he deserves. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Can you do that with an offering? That's what this is described. See offering time has degenerated. In so many churches and places into a necessity. You got the ministers even get up and apologize. Well, I'm sorry we have to do this, you know, but you got the lights and and you got the electric bill and you got stuff that you have to do. So, you know, uh, y'all please help if you can. No, 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 no. If we had $10 million just sitting in the bank and everything we'd ever thought of, bought and paid for and done, it'd be no different come offering time. Did you hear me? We're going to step up. We're going to talk about giving in faith. And it's worship time. And we ought to honor the Lord. Are you with me now? So we make no apologies for this. There's nothing to make an apology about. I'm not giving to you. You're not giving to me. Right? We're not just giving to the church. Offerings are to the Lord. He said, come worship Him. Give Him the honor that He deserves. Bring an offering. And worship Him. That's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, um, last Sunday, we talked about the first offerings. Why don't you just go back again to the book of Genesis. We looked and saw the first recorded offerings in the Bible, which was Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord. But we see... That over this offering occurred the first murder. There's only a handful of people on the planet. 
And one man kills one of the few people on the planet, his own brother, over an offering. And I said to you, you know, the Lord's dealt with me, I think, from the beginning of our entering into the ministry and even before. I've always believed in prosperity and I've preached it. And I've always believed in the offerings of the Lord that they should be honored. And I've taken flack for it. I don't mean just once or twice. I've got ugly grams. Anybody know what I mean? Not a telegram. Ugly gram. I've had people meet me in the parking lot. Act like they're going to hit me. So mad about what I said about money and offerings and these kind of things. And uh, part of the time I was befuddled and just amazed by it. I thought, what's the deal? We've had people call in and fuss about the airplane. You know, I mean, you know, just not once or twice. We got one of the smallest, one of the oldest, for one of the lowest prices that anybody ever got. But that's still too good for us. Did you hear me? In their eyes, what business does a church and a preacher have with a jet? Well, what business does a whiskey company have? With a jet. (laughs) I've had people ask me, what do you need that for? Well, what do other people use them for? We ride in them. (laughs) To me, that's kind of a dumb question. What is an airplane for? Anybody know? They fly. It's real cool because it's so much faster than driving. But people, they get bent out of shape. They've never given a dime to it. Did you hear me? But they want to judge us. And if you and I, if we're happy to sow money into it and take care of it, and we're happy, why do other people have a problem with it? What is it to them? We didn't ask them for anything. What do they care? But they do. I know uh, in Tulsa, Phyllis and I had believed God for a a nice house for almost 20 years. We'd sown our seed, and we came up, we lived in Shoot-'em-Up Alley on the rough side of town. And we believed God to get to a decent apartment above that. Then we believed God to get to a better apartment. Then we believed God to get to a rent house. And then we believed God, you understand what I'm talking about, over 20 years. And I'm telling you, the Lord did something for us. We found a place, wasn't even for sale. The Lord, I mean, supernaturally moved on us. Make them an offer on it right now. We didn't even, it wasn't even for sale. So what do you offer them? <laughs> well, he gave, us, he gave us a price in our spirit. They came back and took it within about 15000 Just, I mean, it happened so quick. And we didn't have the money. <laughs> And God moved supernaturally. Some people knew about it, had asked us about it, and we told them at lunch. And we were at a church, and it wasn't that many people there, on a Wednesday night. 
Wednesday night. And the Lord moved on this one fellow. He said, I think we ought to sow an offering into these guys on this thing that they're believing for. And I mean, it came, $60,000 came in just like that. Little bitty crowd. We were in the parking lot of the bank to go in to close the deal and lacked some of it. And the phone rang on the cell phone. Thank God for cell phones. And there was the rest of it ready to be wired. We didn't ask anybody. We didn't beg anybody. We didn't send any letters, nothing. And the, it was such an amazing deal on the house that there were people were sitting in uh, on the closing place. They were waiting in the wings, hoping our deal wouldn't go through. And the house, I don't know, it was worth, oh, what would it be? At least twice, maybe three times what we paid for it. Just a deal. I mean a deal, a God deal. We hadn't been in there two or three weeks. And uh, I went to get my hair cut. And the person cut and she said, you know, so-and-so was talking about your house the other day. I said, who? They said, well, they went out and rode by your house. I said, great. They said, no, not great. I said, what do you mean? They said that house too big for him. What did he need such a big house for? That house covers half a block. I think that's good. I mean, don't you? I mean, why not the whole block? I mean, let's get one that covers the block. It was all one level, and it just kind of straight, you know, there was in a circle, you know, in the neighborhood, and it kind of went around <laughs> the corner of the house. Nice swimming pool. And they said, that's too big for him. What does he need? I mean, made him mad. What does he need that for? Well, that kind of thing, I, you know, we have dealt with all the time we've been in the ministry. But here was my question. Why? What bothered them so bad about it? We didn't ask them for any money. Well, we see here, Cain got so mad about Abel's offering and the resultant blessing that he murdered his own brother. It's always been this way. Do you see this now? And the Bible tells you that if you sacrifice and you sow and you're willing to sow anything and give anything and do anything for the Lord's sake, he said it's going to come back on you in this life, 30, 60, 100 fold with persecutions. What does that mean? There's going to be some people that don't like it, want to find fault with it. And here's the deal. They are covetous themselves. And money is such a huge deal to them, and when you have something they don't have, it makes them mad. And the problem is, they want it for themselves. So they want to judge you and find fault. Well, we're not going to be like that in this church. Right? We're going to rejoice over each other's blessings. And if somebody's got a hundred times what we've got, we're going to shout about it. And we're going to say, hey, tell us, how'd you do it? We're coming up too. Right? It's not what you've got. It's how you got it. How you got it. Now, in talking about that, we saw the first offerings. And we saw that one offering the Lord received and was pleased with. The other offering he did not accept and was not pleased with. That has to do with our definition that we talked about. What is an offering? An offering is, is a thing that is offered. 
something that is offered, something that is presented. It's also translated gift or present. Well, you understand, by the token of offering, I could offer something to Mo here, but there's another part of this. If I offer it to him, what comes next? Well, it'd be up to him, right, whether he received it or not. And I think so many times that has not been the case in church's thinking at all. Uh, preachers sometimes have had the idea, well, if we'll just kind of shake the people long enough till the money falls out, well, then they'll be uh, blessed in spite of themselves. No, they won't. No, they won't. God does not receive all offerings. And you can't impress him with an amount. Right? So we need to focus on and think about what makes our offerings acceptable to him. And how he is pleased with them. So let's go on further now. The next time you see offerings in the word in the book of Genesis. Is in the life of Noah and his family. Turn on over to the, I believe it's the 8th chapter. Genesis 8. <laughs> We're getting into some things now. Are we not? <laughs> you want to mess with people, you talk about their money. You want to stir something up? <laughs> I got a good friend of mine. And he was asking me because I ministered in his church some. And and he decided he's going to take some things and he's going to teach on it in his church. And he had families leave the church because he taught on prosperity. They said they didn't want to hear it. It aggravated them. Why? Now, if it's just somebody's idea, I don't want to hear somebody beg for money either. He didn't. We don't. But if it's the Bible talking about what the Lord said about an offering, why would you get aggravated with that? Why would you say, I don't hear that? Why would you? It's a problem. And so what if somebody gets miffed about it? Well, I hope they get over it. But I hope they don't wait on us to change or stop. This, what we're doing now in this series is not designed to get people to give. Do you understand that? No, sir, no, ma'am. I mean, if you're going to do that, then you ought not have the offering in the front. Right? You ought to try to, you know, work on folk, get them to give, and then make a big pull at the end. We don't do that. Right? No. And it's not designed to get people to give more. I said, well, yeah, you know, you know, teach on these things and try to get people to give more. No, no, no. I don't desire you to give beyond where you should. Did you hear me? No. You know, you can give beyond your faith. You can give for the wrong reasons. You see people sometimes try to move God in their giving. You're not going to move God in your giving. Did you hear me? I'm going to try to make God do this with this big offering. Oh, no, 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 no. So none of that is going on. What is going on, you and I are seeking the Lord. 
concerning his will, concerning his word. We're saying, Lord, show us so that we think like you do about these things. We see this the way you see it. And so when it comes offering time, not just in church. How many know you can give offerings outside of church? All of our offerings would be pleasing to you and acceptable to you. And our hearts would be right concerning this thing. Now in Genesis 8, we see the great flood has come. And nobody survived. I mean, there was a lot of people on the planet by this time. A lot. How many? I don't know. A lot. But the only people that survived the flood was Noah and his wife and his children and their spouses and family. Eight people. Eight in the world. And uh, God spared them because Noah had faith. Right? And was right before God. And when the Lord told him, a flood is coming, prepare the ark, what did he do? He did what the Lord told him to do, which reveals faith. How many understand faith gets ready? Faith prepares doubts as well. We'll just wait and see. No, faith gets ready. And so the flood came, swept everybody, everything away except Noah, his family, and the animals. See, God told them about bringing the animals in. Why? Because you need the animals to start over. So actually Noah and his family and those animals are precious seed for the replenishment of the earth. What if something had happened to them? What if a disease had wiped uh, Noah and his, the other seven members of his family and those few animals in that boat out? That's it. So they are precious seed. Eight souls. And two of every kind of animals and fowl. And the Bible said in verse 15, Genesis 8:15, God spoke to Noah. And he said, go forth out of the ark. This is Genesis eight sixteen. You, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring forth with you every living thing that's with you of all flesh, of fowl, cattle, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. I mean, that's what God told Adam and Eve in the beginning too, didn't he? Was Adam and Eve's seed? They were. Does God, everything he does is by seed, seed time and sowing and harvest. Right? Is seed precious? Well, when you look at the results, where did the forest come from? The seed. Where did you come from? A seed. Was that seed precious? Are your finances affected by this? Does the material portion of your life, is it affected by seed? Is the seed precious? Now friend, this is important. This is so important this morning. We must begin to see the value of seed. We must begin to see the preciousness of seed. Now here he tells them, replenish, multiply, replenish. 
And uh, verse 18, Noah went forth, his sons, his wife, his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, whatever creeped upon the earth after their kinds, they went forth out of the ark. And Noah, the, I mean, this is the first thing that happened. They've been shut up in this thing for all this time. <laughs> Nobody left on the planet but them. They get out of the boat, the ark, and they look around. How would you feel? I said, how would you feel? There ain't nobody else on the planet. But you, your wife, your boys, their wives, and these critters. How would you feel? Whole cities and nations and armies and forests and the life in jungles have been wiped out. The whole world. You've been spared. How would you feel? (laughs) So what's the first thing he does? (laughs) Are you with me now? What's the first thing he does? He builds him an altar. So what? For why? So he can bring some offerings. He built an altar to the Lord. Not to his denomination. Not to his church. Not to his foundation. No, he built an altar to the Lord and he took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I've done. While the earth remains. Oh, are you getting this? While the earth remains. Is it still remaining? Then this is still central and basic. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. How many ate yesterday? You know why you ate? Seed time and harvest. You think you're going to eat today? You know why you will? Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. While the earth remains, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Is day and night important? Yeah. Is seed time and harvest just as important? Yes. And in your life and in my life... How important it ought to be to us and how precious the seed should be to us. Now I want you to get this. How many animals are there on the planet right now? How many? Are they precious? And he takes a bunch of them. And offers them up to the Lord. Several of them. Did the Lord say, whoa, 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 Noah. We don't have enough (laughs) animals for you to be sacrificed. No, no, you can't afford to give them right now. Y'all don't have enough. 
I mean, if anybody would have thought their seed was scarce (laughs) and they couldn't afford to give, the replenishment of these species of animals on the planet, you talk about endangered species, all of them are endangered. Every one of them weren't down to 50. They were down to two, but the clean ones were down to what? Was it seven, right? And you see, that's one reason why he took seven of them instead of just two. So it'd have an offering. Prepared. God is Jehovah Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees ahead. Provides the supply. He knows what you need before you need it. If, 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 you'll listen to him and obey him. But now, do you see this, friend? How precious this seed was. And he offered these offerings. This is not an offering for sin. This is a thank offering. Can you see this? A whole burnt offering that these animals and their lifeblood, as precious as they were, consumed by the fire and basically went up in the smoke. And what did God say about it? He said, I don't care about this. This natural stuff's not important to me. Y'all don't have enough seed to sow. No, no. Men have said all this stuff. Never God. What did he do? He received it. He inhaled it. And he said, that's sweet. The smell of burning animal flesh? No. He's smelling something else. Isn't he? What's he smelling? So we're talking about we're a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Did the smell of burnt animal flesh come all the way to heaven from off that altar? Uh-uh. No. No, but the smell of what? Noah and his family's hearts, their gratitude, their love, their reverence. They're standing out there, the only eight human beings on the planet, spared because of God's mercy. The Bible said that is a type of us. They were saved through the water, and baptism is what that was typified of, and says now we're saved, just like they were saved. Hallelujah. Well, why shouldn't we come forward and say, Lord, thank you for saving us, and bring our offering? We should. Now get this. Was he trying to pay the Lord for their deliverance? How could you? You don't bring an offering and try to pay the Lord for a healing or try to pay the Lord to save your loved ones or try to pay back the Lord. How could we ever pay him back? It's an insult to try. Did you hear me? No, no, we're not trying to pay the Lord or pay back or buy anything. No, you can't. What are we doing? We can, though, use the material thing as a point of contact where we release our faith 
and express our heart, our gratitude, our faith, our love. And this is what's supposed to be happening at every offering in church and out of church. And when it happens, God receives it. To him it is a sweet smell. Somebody says, well, that's Old Testament, Brother Keith. Hold your place. <laughs> Go to the New Testament. Yeah. Philippians is in the New Testament, is it not? Yes. Philippians. Do y'all like this at all? Yes, I'll tell you what, I'm stirred up about it. Philippians. In the fourth chapter of Philippians... The Spirit of God through Paul, he is thanking them for remembering him in his situation and sending offerings to him repeatedly. He even made mention of the fact that they were the only ones who sent offerings to him out of all the churches God used him to raise up and be a father of. Nobody was supporting him and helping him. See, things hadn't changed that much, have they? Why? Because the nature of the flesh is selfish. Right? And selfishness was to spend it on me. Period. Me and mine. But when you grow and you develop and the love of God dominates you, love gives. Right? Love thinks about other people. And they sent to Paul repeatedly. And he said in verse 16... Philippians 4.16, even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things, things which were sent from you. What? An odor or a fragrance, an aroma of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. This is New Testament. Same thing. How many know God does not change? He never changes. They sent to this man of God, this apostle, to help him do what he was doing. And he was actually in jail. And apparently they sent clothes to him and writing instruments. And uh, Sister... uh, Mildred's cobbler, (laughs) right? (laughs) And Brother Bob's barbecue, and they sent him a real care package, and they sent him money and to do what he needed to do, take care of him, right? And he said, what you sent to me, that money and that stuff, he said it was a sweet smell to God. Well, it was spiritual. Friend, we must have this in our thinking, in our understanding, that when we offer up to the Lord, we bring our tithes, we bring our offerings. When we do it, and we do it from our heart, something comes up from this place. Did you hear me? If you just go through the motion and it's and you don't really want to do it and it's legalistic and all this other kind of stuff, then it's not spiritual. But if you do it in faith and you do it in love, there comes up a fragrance that goes all the way into God's nose. From Branson. Now is this important to you? This is important. And God receives it. And it's not just what you do in the church house and at service time now. I mean this is not necessarily something that happened at church time. They sent offerings to him. Right? 
But it was a sweet smell to God. That's what happened with Noah that day. That's what happened many, many, many years later with Paul and these people. And it's what happens with us every time we give in love and faith. Now, if you would turn with me to another place. Go with me, please, to the book of Malachi, the last chapter in the Old Testament. We're believing God together, right? For utterance, direction. I'm purposed that we're coming up to a higher place in all of our offerings. Not just go through the motion, but as a holy priesthood. Offering up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. In Malachi, of course we, you know, most people that have been in church any length of time, they know that the third chapter deals with tithing and usually hear about that. We're going to talk about tithing before this is over with. Somebody said, well, are you going to tell us we have to tithe? No. Nope. You don't have to pray. You don't have to go to church. You certainly don't have to give, right? No. It's a privilege to bring your tithe. Right? It's a privilege to bring your offering. We're going to talk about, though, you know, what it means, what it is. But all this uh, book flows together from chapter 1 through chapter 4. And you'll find that the Lord is upset with them. Well, I don't want him to be upset with us, do you? God's not pleased with just any and everything. People want to tell you, well, it's no big deal. You know, it's, just let it go. But God, with him, there are some things that are a deal. It's important to him. It's not okay. It's not acceptable to ignore what he said about things. And people want to leave the idea, well, God don't care about offerings. Yes, he does. All God cares is that you love him and that you serve him. And that's going to exclude the financial material part of your life? Well, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't talk to me about money. I think some people, if they were honest, when they were baptized in water, they'd hold their pocketbook up. (laughs) Because that part, they're going to run and don't say nothing about it. That part of their life is not sanctified. My money is my money. I worked hard for it. Yeah. You couldn't wake up in the morning and find the door. Right? Much less make any money. Without God gives you every heartbeat, every strength to take every step. Right? The breath to say every word. No, no, no. Well then, just like Noah standing there knowing, what does he owe his life to? What does he owe the deliverance of his family to? God. So bring an offering and say thank you and worship the Lord. So that's what we're doing every time we come before the Lord. We're saying, Lord, you brought us through this week. Right? You prospered us. You blessed us. You kept our family. Thank you. We're not trying to pay you. We're just saying thank you. Amen. And we do it in a tangible way with substance as well as just words. 
Well, in Malachi, I'm going to begin reading in this uh, first chapter and the sixth verse. In fact, I'm going to read this to you. This is Malachi 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 6. I'm going to read this to you from the New Living. I like the way it's worded here. Well, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to read it first in the King James. Then we'll look at this. Verse 6. A son honors his father. And a servant, in other words, honors his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? Now, who's talking? And you'll find he's talking specifically to the priests. The spiritual leaders of the people. And he is aggravated with them. Specifically, he's aggravated with the preachers here. The priests. How many understand that, like the scripture said, like priest, like people. As the ministry goes, so go the people. Ever how you ministers treat things and talk about things, that's going to affect how the rest of the family sees it and deals with it. Right? Well, do we talk about offerings? If I got up and I said, oh, you know, offerings not important, you know, but we got to pay the bill, so let's just pass the pay. Let's do it quick as we can. I'm sorry about it. You know, is that going to affect the way you see it? If from the beginning, that's what we had done. Would it affect you and how you treated the offerings of the Lord? Certainly. And that's what had happened to them. He said, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where is my fear? Where's my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, that despise my name. Now, man, when the Lord tells you something like this, how many know it is serious repenting time, right? I mean, the Lord begins to talk to you like this. It's time to say, oh, God, hit the floor, right? He said, where's my honor? This is God talking. Where's my respect? You've despised me. And they said, where? When did we despise your name? Verse 7, what did the Lord say? You offer in offerings? Is the Lord talking about offerings? Does he care about offerings? So you got all kind of people try to say, no, 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 these preachers talk about offerings and, and every time you go to church, you know, it's an offering, it's an offering, and I just wish they'd shut up and quit. Well, then he's talking to you in this passage because you're going to see that is the attitude they had. Before this passage is over, they said some of those very things. Oh, the offerings. Psh. He said, you've despised my name. You offer polluted bread on my altar and you say, wherein have we polluted you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. The table was where they brought the offerings. So another way of saying, the offerings of the Lord, they were despising them. Has that happened since then? There's been people coming here. It came back to me later. They came and they visited and it made them mad because of what we said about the offerings. They said, I can't stand that. Hmm? And hadn't been back. <laughs> and we hadn't cried much about it. <laughs> right? We love them. We care about them. But we can't change that. For them? For why? 
So here's the deal. We didn't ask them for money, did we? No. When have we ever asked you for money? No. Then why were they aggravated about us talking about the offering of the Lord? It aggravated them. They thought they were despising us. But they despised the offering of the Lord. Right? I don't want to hear that. I wish they wouldn't take time up on that. Well, whose offering is it? Well, what are you despising? Do you see that now? So people haven't seen this. And that's what he's telling them. He said, you have despised. You said the table of the Lord is contemptible. And verse 8, he said, if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Or accept your person, says the Lord of hosts? Let me read this to you from the New Living. The Lord Almighty says to the priests, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. I am your father and master, but where are the honor and respect I deserve? Now get this, he does not change. Does he expect respect through offerings? Does he today with us? He expects respect in the offerings. He said, you've despised my name. They said, have we ever despised your name? He said, you despised my name by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. And you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? Isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord Almighty. We don't bring our junk to church. And we don't tip God. How many understand, you know, we live in a different society. It's not just agrarian. You did not bring your goat and your sheep in today when it came offering time. But how many know you could still offer a lame offering? Hmm? Right? And despise it. Oh, here's two dollars. Y'all shut up. No, you keep your two dollars. Did you hear me? You think you're despising us, but you're despising the Lord. You're despising his name and his offering. And people try to say, well, he doesn't care about these things. This is the Bible. You got your idea, and then there's the Bible. Right? He said, and we're just beginning on this. I'm telling you, there's over a thousand references just on offerings. You add presents and gifts and sacrifices, it's on and on and on. It's a big deal. How many understand God did not give us a Bible full of things that's a waste of space and that he doesn't care about? He cares about it. It matters to him. And the reason why it's such a big deal to people and they don't want to hear about it is because they themselves are covetous. Right? 
They said, my money is my money, and now I don't want to hear about it. Well, then Jesus is not Lord over every area of your life. He said, go ahead. He said, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Says the Lord Almighty. Now get this. This is the New Living, verse 10. He said, I wish that some, this is God talking now. I wish somebody would shut the temple doors. So that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not at all pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will not accept your offerings. We need to look at this. Right? We need to think about it. This token giving. This throwing a quarter in the plate. When you're wealthy. Is despising the Lord's offerings. Because that's what they were doing. Didn't say they weren't giving anything. What were they doing? They were giving their leftovers. They were giving their junk. They were giving their things. of. How many understand? We studied last week. Cain brought an offering from the, the fruit of the ground. Abel brought what? <laughs> Abel brought of the first and the best he brought fluffy. Right? And God was pleased with his offering and accepted it. Well, how many understand fluffy is worth more money than one eye? (laughs) Right? And peg leg. Right? As the sheep go, he's worth more money. So he brought an offering of greater value. And when they were bringing, when it came time to bring offerings, and it came time to pick out what they're going to bring, what did they bring? They brought the cheap one. They brought the one of little value. Now again, I don't want anybody in this family... To get condemned and to come give money that's beyond where you are. Don't do it. Right? Condemnation, you shouldn't be being led by anyway. Guilt, condemnation, that's not of God. But how many understand that when you got lots, you got plenty. You spend way more. On your nail polish. Than you put in the offering. Did you hear me? You burn more gas in your car in a week. Than you give to God. Is that okay? No. You're despising the offering of the Lord. You're tipping him. You're token stuff. You're bringing a lame offering. There was a time in my life. When five dollars was an honorable offering to God. I remember. Because where I was at. Five dollars. I honored God with five dollars. That's because of where I was at. But for me to bring five dollars now. Would be a lame offering. 
Did you hear me? Because I'm blessed far beyond that. Five dollars is not a lot of money to me now. Are you with me now? So I'm not going to try to tell you where you are and you don't try to tell me where I am. I do not sit and look at the giving rosters. I purposely don't. Did you hear me? I don't. But I also know in my spirit (laughs) that there's a whole lot of people. There's a lot of people in this family. You've been giving pretty good. You've been doing pretty good before the I just know that in my heart. But there's a lot of folk. You're waiting for something. And uh, if you're not sure whether you believe in us, find where you do. Did you hear me? If you think, well, if you, I think that brother Keith's a shyster. Yeah, he's, you know, I just don't go for all that jet stuff and that, you know, new car stuff. Well, find somebody you believe in. Find somebody you trust and get in there and do something. But don't flop from place to place and make excuses and act like, well, there's nobody I can trust. Well, question is, can God trust you? And the answer is obviously no. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Let's keep reading. <laughs> well, you know, I, the Lord will help me and I don't want to, you know, let my feelings get mixed up in this. But you do get tired of hearing people gripe about this. You know, when you're not asking them to do anything. And I'm not, most of the church family here has not done any of that. But just over the years, you just heard so much of it till you just wish people would hush. But now I'm seeing more light as to why people do. Are you? Yes. Even, you know, with Cain, why did he get so mad and kill his brother over an offering? Well, it's a big deal. And people don't like to admit it, but money's a deal. Right? Money is a deal. And does God have all your heart, soul, mind, and strength when you say, don't say anything to me about my money? Well, he doesn't have all of you. Keep reading. He said, verse 10, who is there even among you that would shut the doors? We got through reading that in the New King James. He said, I wish somebody would shut the doors on that place so that these lame offerings wouldn't come in. He said, I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. You know, Brother Kenneth Hagin that I had the privilege of serving with for a number of years, he said some of the first churches that they pastored, he said some of the people came by one time and said, Brother Hagin, you know, uh, we were taking some of this stuff to the junkyard and we thought about you. And we thought, well, maybe the pastor can use it. And they brought and gave him chipped cups and cracked plates. That's despising the Lord. Did you hear me? You know, last spring we had a time when we came, we brought a bunch of stuff and people were able to come and take. We're going to do it again. Be bigger and better this time. But how many understand you do not bring your junk? Right? Because people wind up with these things, but we're not just giving it to them. These are offerings to the Lord. If it's junk, you throw it away. You don't bring it to the church. Right? 
goes on to say, For from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles and in every place. Incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. Pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, says the Lord of hosts. But you have profaned it. In that you say the table of the Lord is polluted. And the fruit thereof, even his meat, his food, is contemptible. You said also, behold, what a weariness is it. What are they talking about? What's a weariness? The offering. They say we're tired of the always the offering. The offering, every time we come to the temple, it's the offering. You're supposed to bring your offering and... I'm tired of it. God said, I'm tired of it too. <laughs> I wish somebody shut the doors on that place. Right? You say, what a weariness it is. You've snuffed at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you brought what was torn and lame and sick. Thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, says the Lord? What's he saying? Then the same thing he told Cain. I don't accept your offering. I don't receive your offering. Cursed be the deceiver which has in his flock a male and vows and in sacrifices to the Lord a corrupt thing. Now what's that saying? How many understand the Bible says to him that knows to do good and does it not? To him it is sin. He said, this man said, oh yeah, I'm going to bring, man, I got a fluffy in my barn too. I'm going to bring fluffy. And then he changes his mind. He said, no, fluffy's worth too much money. And I'm going to bring, oh, bad eye. I'm going to bring crip. Right? I'm going to bring the diseased one. And he said, no. He said, you're a deceiver. You're a deceiver. No. I don't think it's right for us to judge each other about our offerings. Hmm? I don't know your finances. You don't know mine. I'm not going to try to find out about yours. You shouldn't try to find out about mine. Did you hear me? But know this. The Lord does know your finances. Right? It makes a difference to him. Whether you play with this or whether you despise his things, whether you tip him or try to do token stuff, it is not acceptable. In fact, can you hear in these words, he feels very strongly about it. So, bring it before the Lord. Talk about it. Years ago, Phyllis and I made great strides in this area. You know, we played with tithing and we played with stuff and thought, well, you know, we can't afford to. As soon as we get in better shape, we'll do this or we'll do that. But thank God we finally got light and we quit doing all that. And we said, the Lord comes first. And this is what we do. And we don't just show up at church and throw in $2 as an afterthought. No, we sit down. At the first of the year, we're going to do this real soon here, aren't we? With our right division. And we're going to have some things out. You know, we went over Write the Vision last year about everything that you desire to put into the kingdom of God, everything that you owe and want paid for, everything that you'd like to do if money was no issue. We're going to make available that so you can go over it again. But then you put it in your heart, I want to believe to put this amount of my income into the kingdom this year. 
right? Something that is appropriate for you. Where you're at, where your faith is at, and you believe for it, and you stand, and you do it. Right? And you stand and believe God through the year, and at the end of the year, you can stand up and shout, every time we've done it, God has brought it in. Sometimes in the beginning of the year, it looked like a lot. You thought, well, where's it going to come from? But it came. It came. And when you do, then God is going to know your heart. He's going to know you're not playing with this. And you don't come up and do things as an afterthought or as a tip or as a token. You come prepared. Makes you feel better all the way around. I mean, you show up at church. You show up at the meeting. You show up with whatever the Lord told you to do. And you bring your gift with you. And you're ready. And it's something that's appropriate to you. And because it's valuable to you and means something to you, your heart's in it. I thought I was through, but can you take one other thing? Go with me to 1 Samuel. And I think we close with this. Excuse me, I told you wrong. It's 2 Samuel. The last chapter of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, David has missed God, big time, and judgment has come on the nation, and he's endeavoring to see what to do now, and through prayer and through the ministry of the prophet and other things, he gets direction. And he goes to a place where the Lord directed him, which was at this point a threshing floor. Interesting. He doesn't know it, but he's standing on the site of the future temple. And right now it's just piles of wheat laying around. But he doesn't own it. Another man does. And uh, he shows up. And the Lord showed him. That he was to go to this place and rear up an altar to the Lord. This is 2 Samuel 24, 18. And verse 19, 2 Samuel 24, 19. David, according to the saying of Gad, the prophet, God speaking through him, went up as the Lord commanded. And Arana looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arana went out and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. And Arana said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? What you doing out here at the threshing floor, at the barn? David said, I have come to buy the threshing floor from you to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Arana said to David, let my Lord the king take it and offer up what seems good to him. Look, here's oxen for the burnt sacrifice, the threshing instruments and other instruments. You can use them for wood. And all these things did Arana, like a king, give to the king, David. And Arana said to the king, the Lord your God accepts you. He said, no, here, take it. Well, see, the nation is in a mess. Is in judgment. It's his nation too. It's his king. He said, no, here, take it. God's told you to come out here and do something out here. It's yours. These cows are yours. All these instruments, take them and break them up. Use them for wood. They're yours. I give them to you right now. You don't have to buy them. That's a good heart. And the king said to Arana, now get this, get this. Verse 24, he said, no. What do you mean no? I will surely buy it of you 
at a price. And the implication is at full price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God of that which does cost me nothing. What's he saying? This has got to have some value to me. Right? So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And Arana, you know, he submitted and yielded to him and took the money. And David built an altar to the Lord and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed. From Israel they were delivered and healed. And an offering was involved. But do you see what happened here? He said, no, I can't do it. What do you mean? Well, the Lord has sent me here to give an offering. How many understand bringing an offering is supposed to mean something? Well, what if, you know, you throw $2 in and that's nothing to you. It wouldn't bother you if you lost $2 out the window. And your offering means nothing to you. Then what does it mean to God? Nothing. Can you see how much wrong thinking there's been in these areas? Oh, people have been so far off, so messed up. If it doesn't mean anything to us, if it has no value to us, then it has no value to Him. And if it's like nothing to you, oh, $10, I wouldn't miss $10. Yeah, I spend more than that on my coffee in the morning. Well, then you're not where you need to be in your offerings, right? You've got to step up to the place where it means something to you. When we stand up in here and we hold up that envelope, it means something, right? There's value in our hand and there's value in our heart. There's value and our seed is precious and there's value in our words, And we're not just going through the emotions, but we said, Lord, we love you. And we're thankful for everything you've done for us. And we worship you with our substance. How many like the word substance? It sounds substantive. Not with our token, not with throwing something, you know, that we wouldn't mind even losing. No, no, no. Substance. And I'm telling you, this is going to break out into every area of your life. And you're not just going to do it in church. But it's going to happen between you and other people. You're going to take valuable, precious seed. And you're going to invest it into people. And it's going to be so expensive and so nice that they're going to go, Really? Really? And after you leave, they're going to cry and thank God all night long because God, why would God deal with you to pay that much money on them? Because he must love you. He care. Why would God tell them you wanted that thing? You could live without that. That's not a necessity. But here it is. And it's nice. That's going to happen. It is happening, but it's going to happen on a whole new level. We're coming up. I said we're coming up. And we're going to take, we're not going to sow junk and we're not going to tip God and token stuff. We're going to sow valuable, precious seed. Amen. Amen.
at church and on the job and at home and in people's lives. And it's not just going to be going through the motion. It's going to have an impact. It doesn't have to be a huge amount. I've told you this, but I'll tell you before. I mean, again, like I've told you before. I was a student at Ramah. I had two little cheap, cheap jackets. Of course, you wear one one day and you wear the other one the next day. (laughs) Mix them up. Sometimes you wear one Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then the next week you change it up and wear it Tuesday, Thursday. And I had one pair of shoes that weren't very nice. And after a few months wearing them every day, they were shot. I needed some dress shoes because they wanted you to begin to dress and act like a minister and, and, uh, you know, wear a tie and and do this. Well, I wasn't used to that, but here we go. (laughs) I was from Mississippi in the country. So I believe God, I'm learning how to use my faith. I released my faith. For a pair of shoes. And I needed a pair of brown shoes. So I believed God for a pair of brown shoes. Well weeks passed. And I need these shoes. Yesterday and the week before. You know what I'm saying. They look bad. And I've tried. Got holes in the soles. Well here comes a check. From an unexpected channel. Fifty dollars. And when it showed up I thought. That's it. That's my shoe money. That's my shoe money. Well, man, we had prayer school that day and then healing school. And afterwards, it would be over about 4 o'clock. There was a mall about uh, oh, two or three miles away. And I thought, man, boy, after healing school, I'm going to the mall. I'm going to get my brown shoes. Glory to God. Boy, I prayed good that day. Oh, I had the victory, you know. And while I was praying... Healing school was coming up. We had a guest speaker speaking there in the afternoons that week. And there was a young man who hadn't been in the ministry all that long. And I'm praying and the Lord speaks to my heart. I didn't know it was him in the beginning. But I'm just learning. I'm new in all these things. This is many years ago. And, and uh, this came up to my heart. This young man is believing me for a pair of brown shoes too. I thought, well, <laughs> glory to God. I mean, I I could agree with him. I mean, I can stand with him because, man, I know what you did for me. I mean, you know you do it for him too. So I'm praying some more and getting quiet. It came up to me again. said, he is believing me for a pair of brown shoes. I thought, well, praise God. Good. Because, Lord, I know you took care of me, and I know you'll take care of him. It came up to me two or three times like that, and then this came up. I don't mean to hear an audible voice, but inside me came up to me, sow him your shoe money, and I'll take care of you. You won't lack for shoes. At first, I'll be honest with you, I rebuked the devil. I thought... (laughs) I thought, no, no, that ain't right. I mean, you know, because, I mean, this is precious to me. You understand what I'm talking about? Fifty dollars, that and probably another five or ten is all I had in the world. We're believing for every meal, every tank of gas. I have believed God. And here, supernaturally, my shoe money has come in. I got it in my hand. I'm three miles from the mall. And here, the devil's trying to mess me up and, and steal my shoe money. 
I should have known the devil wasn't leading me to give to a preacher. But I was learning how to hear God. What's God and what's me? And I'm learning all that. And uh, to make a longer story shorter, I, before that prayer time was over, I got it sorted. And I realized that's not the devil. That's the same Lord who led me here to school. And I thought, Lord, okay. All right. Now you've got to get willing. Right? You can't just do it. You've got to get excited about it. <laughs> so I worked on that a while. And actually, the other service began. And he is there teaching. And I couldn't help but look at his shoes. And I thought, well, his shoes look pretty good to me. <laughs> uh, and they did. They, they looked pretty good. My shoes looked bad. And his looked just dandy compared to mine. But how many understand that's got nothing to do, nothing to do, nothing to do with it. And I thought about that all through the service. Well, finally, at the end of the service, he was starting to leave. And I said, excuse me. I said, could I say something to you? And he said, yeah. I said, "Uh, tell me if this is off. I said, but are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? (laughs) He said, huh? I said, are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? He called his wife. He said, call her. He said, hey, come here, come here, come here. He said, tell her what you told me. I said, well, I just want to know if you're believing God for a pair of brown shoes. They both started shouting. They said, it wasn't two hours ago we joined hands in the speaker's room and claimed a pair of good brown shoes. Because so I got a nice, you know, more than one nice pair of black ones and some nice burgundy ones and some other nice stuff, but not any nice brown ones. (laughs) Great. (laughs) How many say that's got nothing to do? It's got nothing. Because who is this offering to? To the Lord. It's not to him. So I said, well, here, I said, uh, this may not take care of all of it. I said, but this will start towards it. I want to sew this toward those brown shoes. And I gave him that $50, and they thanked God, and they were excited. And I left shoeless <laughs> and moneyless, went out to my little pickup. But I tell you what, I felt like I kind of half floated across the park. Why? I had heard from God. Brown, not just shoes, brown shoes, brother Brown. And I had been used of God to help meet somebody's faith and their need. Oh, I was so pumped and excited. And how many understand, this is a valuable seed to me. This is a precious seed to me. It meant something to me, so it meant something to God. I want you to know, it wasn't long after that, I had some shoes. And then I had some more shoes. And then I had some, and over the years, it's been amazing. I mean, I've had people walk up to me and hand me their credit card and said, go to the shoe store, buy the expensive skins, buy some crocodile, buy some, and don't just get one pair. I said, well, one would be, no, 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 get this. Boy, my staff, just for Christmas, they got me some alligator that I mean need a dimmer switch. I mean, these things are... 
And people might see some of these shoes and think, well, ain't that something? Look at that. People wonder how much them shoes cost. A lot. <laughs> but most of them I've got, I paid less than you did for your hush puppies. <laughs> or your kids. Most of them I wear, I paid nothing for. But I did sow precious seed. Did you hear me? And that's just one example. But what I'm saying is, if the seed means nothing to you, then what does it mean to the Lord? Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.